The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Zach Valisi. Today on our podcast. The UK is warning of a looming tidal wave of Omicron due to a rapid increase of infection. What this could mean for the U.S. with former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb. It's deeply concerning to see um, the British take this stance because they have very good data, they have very good systems in place. And so if they're seeing a very significant threat from Omicron, I think the world should really take notice of that. Will Biden's Build Back Better plan help or hurt the economy? Former acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney. Pass the damn thing quick so no one knows what's in it. That's what this is really all about. What can we do over Christmas so that no one has a chance to really digest it to figure out what they don't like in it? And former Congresswoman Donna Edwards. We're making a big presumption that future Congresses are going to extend all of these programs, and we don't know that to be true. Plus, spoiler alert. Peloton is out with a new ad poking fun of a recent TV death that is going viral on the internet. They killed him off. You lose all rights once you kill somebody off. It's Monday, December 13th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. The Department of Homeland Security is urging government and private sector organizations to address what's being called a critical flaw in widely used software. The vulnerability is in a Java-based software known as Log4j that organizations use to configure their applications that could give hackers sweeping access to networks. Researchers say that hackers started exploiting the flaw Friday to gain access to servers running Microsoft's Minecraft game. Amazon, Twitter, Cisco, all companies that have said they were carrying out investigations into the depth of the actual problem. And software providers that include Log4j in their products, such as IBM, Oracle, also VMware, have said that they're all deploying patches. You Minecraft guy? Any of your kids Minecraft? What's Minecraft? Uh, we're yeah, Minecraft a, people. We're Minecraft people we're and not. some Roblox. A little bit of both. I know you're Roblox. I know that. You're gonna we take do a over. little Minecraft, not not Roblox so much, but so are, not, what's going to happen? You okay. guys are both compromised. Then better uh, I, we change, change I all your passwords. Active, I don't think it's an active thing in our house at all. So, no, yeah, it's okay. all right. Uh, we might be. Uh, well, I'll have to do some work. And then there is this: the big buzz over the weekend. I don't know if you guys saw it. I mean, it seems like everybody saw it uh, coming with a spoiler alert in advance for those who have not been watching and have not seen the premiere of HBO's Sex and the City revival titled And Just Like That. So if you haven't seen it and you want to, you can close your ears, but it's going to be hard to avoid this news. In the show, a major character suffered a fatal heart attack shortly after taking an exercise class on a stationary bike led by an instructor who was played by, yes, an actual Peloton instructor. Since that show premiered last Thursday, Peloton stock has dropped 15%. It closed at a 52-week low 
on Friday. A member of Peloton's health council tried to halt the PR crisis with a statement that the character's extravagant lifestyle, which included cocktails, cigars, and big steaks, was to blame for the heart attack. But then yesterday, actor Ryan Reynolds helped the company out with an ad that he wrote, narrated, and directed, reuniting the actor who played Mr. Big with a fitness instructor. Should we take another ride? Life's too short not to. <laughs> and just like that, the world was reminded that regular cycling stimulates and improves your heart, lungs, and circulation, reducing your risk of cardiovascular diseases. Cycling strengthens your heart muscles, lowers resting pulse, and reduces blood fat levels. He's alive. <laughs> he is alive. He is alive. Uh, Ryan Reynolds jumped into a Peloton PR crisis two years ago, you may remember, after an internet user's made fun of a Peloton ad for portraying a wife who looked terrified. He quickly cast that same actress for a commercial for his uh, aviation gin brand, guys. And so uh, he's now done it twice. And I, I, I don't know what the count is at this point on, on Twitter and Instagram and all the different social media sites that they released that ad to at this point. But uh, I imagine why? it's worth I mean, it. We're talking about it. Why Ryan Reynolds? I, 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 did, does he own this or did he just see a, a, a strike of a, a, a creative genius and realize this he, is the time he to has jump a, in? So Major he's become business. an entrepreneur beyond his Major. his acting business, and he has lots of things he's doing. He's making ads, doing all sorts of things for all sorts yeah. of folks. He has a mobile phone business. I mean, it's just yeah. he's a creative Very guy. Smart. Very there was an art, I was reading last week about how Peloton said, "Okay, you can you know for product placement with the, the, the HBO series," and said, "Yeah, you guys can use it for Sex in the City." Um, even provided their their fit, fitness instructor, a real fitness instructor, but they didn't know the outcome, didn't know how it was going to be right. used or that he was going to die as the secrecy around it. So you can imagine them being like, "Yeah, we we got this great product placement," and then all of a sudden finding out. Oh, Oh my gosh! It killed somebody off. So the, the, you did. That was the spoiler. So we, it was. We know who it was now. It was Mr. Pig. Uh, yeah. I didn't think you were going to go into that. Uh, None of it makes I, sense I, if you I don't figured, know that. I, you, but you got to look at who the actor is. You, 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 you can see him there. I didn't and then know the, what was going on. I saw that. I he don't was, watch I just, the series, but I read it all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the flip. The, the other question I have though is: Is HBO upset with the actor? who's now obviously taking advantage of this. I'm sure there's oh, lots. So I mean, what? They I, killed I, him I off. I assume Peloton You lose all rights once you kill somebody off. This is I the question. forgot very all about that, that, that commercial, which was very highly produced and slick. And yep. uh, I forgot about that. That shows you how short the half-life of that thing was. Man, that, that came out. People said, this is just, they had no idea. They know Madison Avenue can really screw up once in a while. It was a gift. It was like, I think the husband was saying, get on this thing, babe. You know, Fatty. you need this. And she, yeah, exactly. Get on this thing. You're letting yourself go. I think that was the whole point. And she's like, uh, am I going to be able to satisfy his image of what I should be like? I mean, it was totally tone deaf, but it was, uh, I forgot all about that. So that's been two years yep. now. Has it really? Wow. Lots of happened in the last two years. <laughs> I can understand not remembering yeah. this. And Peloton just... They didn't yeah. need that. And we forgot about it quickly, obviously, with, with uh, everybody doing the in-home uh, in home training. I don't want to digress, but I'm doing much better. I just want to let you guys know. I'm feeling about my body fat's down like 4%. I'm running. Uh, that immediately Peloton? takes off the side. No, I'm running on a walkway. A walk, what's it called? A walkway, Andrew? A woodway. A woodway. A woodway running treadmill. on a woodway. My knees are a little, you know what? I don't want to digress because I don't want to hear about it. But I'm just telling you. 
I'm doing Looking a little good. bit. I'm doing a little bit better. Weight-wise, the, the, the COVID uh, thing that everyone experienced—I don't want to call the it the COVID-19 because yeah. I just don't think you should really. Mine was about 12, I think, 12, 13. But the body fat was bad. Over 30. Over 30. What circle? What are you like? 16 or something? Do you know your, your metabolism? Your, I have no you idea. Mean? No body <laughs> fat percentage. I, body no. fat percentage. I, I'm, oh, I have no idea. I know it depends how many donuts. Depends how many donuts, and then I there's the water like, weight. So I think hard to uh, know. they'd say you're freaking obese. I mean, I think at one point over 30, you're pretty darn close. When you're getting close to 35, um, you know, is 35 obese? I think 35 is close. But I think so. I'm 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 plummeting. Just to let everybody know. Well we're, we're we're rooting for you, Mr. Big. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. When you take, it's like taking out, you know how you get fillers for wrinkles to make you look younger? <laughs> when you lose weight, you take the, the fillers out so you start sagging. Oh. Oh. I don't want to talk about this though. I, now I feel like I've ruined the A block. No, no. Well done. And it played okay. right into the Peloton of Mr. Big, so it yeah. all works. Yeah, yeah, we're works. human. We'll get, we're we'll, it's yeah. a morning we'll show. We'll get to the treadmill. The Peloton treadmill, I've been telling you, it's as I good know. if not I better than one. the Woodway. Is it? It is. And, and, and it you is. trade, you got that, you did not have, see, I got rid of the bike, but I want the treadmill. That was I our really pandemic did. purchase. Absolutely. Next on Squawk Pod, countries around the world are imposing new lockdowns and restrictions due to the Omicron variant. Dr. Scott Gottlieb on if he sees the United States heading down that direction. I don't think we're going to be able to get the public to implement the kind of mitigation that we did during the last waves. And so we're going to have to look for less intrusive ways to get collective action from the public. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Uptrack, stand by Joe. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning and uh, welcome to Squawk Box here uh, on CNBC. Two hours, what is it, 15 a week. Just trying to figure out where we are in terms of the week. We are live from the NASDAQ market site. Uh, Less than counting? 10% in. In, time, <laughs> in Times Square, I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. New overnight, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson warning of what he's calling an Omicron tidal wave and urging people to work from home today. The Prime Minister also accelerating the country's eligibility plans for booster shots. And joining us right now is Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He's former FDA commissioner and a CNBC contributor who also serves on the boards of both Pfizer and Illumina. And Dr. Gottlieb, I have to say, uh, this warning from Boris Johnson is making a lot of people kind of sit up and take notice. Uh, how do you 
think this, what, what does this mean, especially based on what we've seen out of South Africa to this point? Hey, look, it's deeply concerning to see um, the British take this stance because they have very good data, they have very good systems in place. And so if they're seeing um, a very significant threat from Omicron, I think the world should really take notice of that. We are seeing some indication of a slowing of transmission in Johannesburg and Pretoria, the hard-hit Gauteng region of South Africa. And if that's true, that's going to cause us to have to reassess some of our early assumptions, either when this first began, the transmissibility, which seems to be um, confirmed by the data out of U the U.K., well, whether or not there's some subcomponent of the population that's excessively vulnerable to this virus, and after the virus burned its way through that population, it started to slow down. And the most obvious would be people who have Delta immunity but no other immunity, because there is some indication that a lot of the early infections, in fact, in fact, most of the early infections in South Africa, were people who had Delta but perhaps weren't vaccinated. And there also is some indication that people who had 1351 who were infected with the old South African variant may have been better protected against this new variant. But looking at what's happening in the U.K. right now, where they're seeing rapid acceleration, albeit off a very small base, and they're looking at the data, their own data, which is very good data, uh, and are very concerned that this is going to sweep across the population, that should give the world some pause about what this could mean for other countries. Just here in the United States, according to NBC data, you're looking at some really big upticks in, in COVID cases, not, not Omicron. This is like COVID in general, just the positive test responses coming back. Um, Rhode Island up 140 percent in two weeks. You've got Vermont up 132 percent. Gains of over 100 percent for West Virginia, Illinois, Oklahoma, Connecticut, New Jersey, all about 95 percent. I mean, those are some big spikes. Is this what we anticipated because of the holidays or is, is this more concerning than that? No, this is the Delta wave um, sweeping across the country and the two parts of the re country, the two regions that really hadn't had their Delta waves yet were the states around the Great Lakes, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, which, which have had a very dense Delta wave in recent weeks and now is starting to peak, uh, and New England and the tri-state region. I think we have the answer to the question of whether or not the tri-state region was going to be largely impervious to Delta because of the high immunity here. It's not. And so we're seeing the last, um, last part of the country that really hasn't had a Delta wave now have that Delta wave. So the south, the southeast, the southwest, the Pacific Northwest, most of the, the mountain states and the Great Plains have really been through their Delta wave. Cases are ticking up there, so the national numbers are going up, but they're ticking up because of the holidays and the cold weather. So even in places like Florida, where prevalence has been very low, you're starting to see a tick up. I think what's concerning about the U.K. for the U.S. is the U.K. has a very similar composition of immunity to the U.S., um, you know, there was some speculation that perhaps we were going to be more impervious to Omicron because of our high rates of vaccination and boosters, people who've been infected and vaccinated. But when you look across our composition of immunity, especially when we're done with this Delta wave and 90 percent of the population has either been infected or vaccinated, it's very similar to the composition of immunity in the U.K. So if the U.K. has a bad experience with Delta, with Omicron, excuse me, it's a good indication that we're going to be at risk as well. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, Scott, if I don't know what the... The, uh, F, uh, the effectiveness numbers really are. I saw 23. I don't know if that's true uh, for Pfizer. But let's just assume that you're double vax. Maybe, maybe you've gotten the booster. Maybe you haven't. But let's say that there still is a lot of, of Omicron um, spread and infection o over in Europe. If the cases are mild to moderate, but you really see a, a big spread because it's highly transmissible, and we're back to hearing... You know, it's doubling every sec, whatever that, you know, you see some of these numbers that say it, that, that are concerning. If it's mild to moderate, what, what does Europe do? Uh, and and I, I guess that, that we're down the road and we'd have to deal with, we'd have to figure that out too. We have to decide too, but will it be a full-fledged wave, uh, another COVID wave? 
well, it could be a wave without the extreme death and disease that right. we've seen from other waves, and that's the hope. The, the vaccines right now, if you look at the data out of the UK, and albeit it's only on about 600 patients, the two mRNA doses look to be about 40% protective. Three doses seem to be about 75% protective against symptomatic infection, which is quite high. It means that we're not going to lose these vaccines. And we now have other data points that suggest that a range of um, protection in about the same, Scott, do, um, do, same do area, we, 75%. Do we quarantine? Let's say you're in Europe. Well, I'm, ask, I'm asking yeah, so for a friend. This, I'm asking for a friend. Let's say you go to Europe. Uh, you're, you, you get uh, Omicron. It's mild to moderate. Do I quarantine? For 12 days or something? Am I stuck? Are, are things going to happen like that? This is the concern right now. The concern is that the reason why we're seeing mostly mild infections and asymptomatic infections with Omicron is because it's infecting a largely... Um, a largely immune-exposed population, a population that has immunity either from prior infection or from vaccination. And so you have protection. What, what worries us is that if it sweeps across the population and becomes widely epidemic, it's going to find its way into pockets of vulnerability. And the biggest pocket of vulnerability in the U.S. of people who have preserved immunity, meaning that they don't have any immune protection either from prior infection or through vaccination, are children under the age of 18. Only 25% of children under the age of 18 have been vaccinated. Most, most of them are teenagers. Only 26% of kids under the age of 18 have been infected. And again, most of them are teenagers. We've done a good job of preserving uh, toddlers and young kids and keeping them from getting infected. So if this does become widely epidemic among adults, you have to worry about those immune-naive populations. And it's pr primarily children. You also have to worry about vulnerable people. Vulnerable people remain vulnerable uh, regardless, even if they've been vaccinated. People who are immunocompromised, older individuals. And so if you infect enough people, law of averages, you're going to start to see bad outcomes. And in fact, they are seeing some hospitalizations in the UK right now. They have reported that. Hey, doctor, um, to the extent that children are having the opportunity to even get the vaccine, most are only taking the first two shots. When you look at some of the data, even out of Israel, uh, that seemed quite positive uh, from Pfizer, it really did require a third shot to have any kind of uh, real meaningful push against uh, against the uh, against the disease, what do you do about that? Would you be moving up the the timeline for people to get a, a booster? Well, the UK certainly did that. They they moved up the timeline and said people can get a booster within three months. So they're not waiting to see some decline in immune protection in order to make people eligible for boosters. With kids, it does appear that the kids get a pretty robust immune response, better than us adults to the vaccine. And in fact, the data on protection at, at, at six months with the children um, was 100 uh, percent for 12 and above with a 30 microgram dose. So the children do seem to be uh, getting a more robust immune response from the vaccine. So I wouldn't necessarily think that the experience with adults where you see the waning of immune protection over time is transferable to kids. You might see the same thing, but it doesn't doesn't appear to be nearly um, you know, as sharp as what you're seeing in adults. And then, doctor, in terms of behavior changes or not, given what we're seeing in the UK, uh, you, you, if you spend time in the Northeast or, frankly, in most parts of the country right now, restaurants, indoors, they're full, they're packed. Uh, people people are uh, behaving in large part uh, as, as if there is no uh, virus. Do you change that behavior? 
Well, the question is, can you change that behavior? And I think the answer is no. And public health officials and political leaders are going to try to have to work within the confines of what the public's willing to do. We're now in the third year of this pandemic. People who are excessively worried about it have probably been vaccinated three times. A lot of children are vaccinated now. There's a lot of people who are never worried about COVID. Most of them have had COVID and they think that they're protected because of their prior infection. I don't think we're going to be able to get the public to implement the kind of mitigation that we did during the last waves. And so we're going to have to look for um, less intrusive ways to get collective action from the public. Masks remain something that's useful when when the virus becomes locally epidemic. I think you could still get the public to agree to wear masks in public places and confined spaces. But in terms of closing down businesses and doing things like that, closing schools, it's just no, not no, going to no, happen no. unless we but start. Doctor, to see- are you changing your own behavior at all? Are you are you going to a packed restaurant today? That you might have gone to a month I never ago? went to. Well, I, I never went to a packed restaurant. But look, I haven't changed my behavior for Omicron, but I've probably exercised a higher level of caution than a lot of individuals. But I haven't changed my behavior for Omicron. I will say I feel a little bit uh, more confident now than I did six months ago, five months ago, uh, because my children are vaccinated now. My big concern was bringing the infection back into my home. So that has changed my psychology around this. But my behavior hasn't changed for Omicron. Uh, It might. You know, if this starts to spread and it's highly contagious and we don't know how it's going to behave in children, I might exercise some more caution. But in terms of going into packed restaurants, I haven't done that in a long time. Uh, Dr. Gottlieb, I think Joe was getting at something that that maybe we didn't clarify quite enough. A a lot of us are are thinking of going over to Europe or have plans to do it next month. Um, And I think the concern becomes not just for us, but for anybody who's planning, let's say, business travel. I feel more comfortable, too. My kids are finally vaccinated, and I feel great about that. But the question becomes, if you go overseas, let's say to Switzerland, you go somewhere and you pick it up, are you going to be trapped there for 12 days quarantining and not able to come back? And that's another behavioral question for people who are thinking about business trips doing these things. It's one thing to go for their planned business trip, another thing to add another couple weeks onto it. Right. That's the risk of traveling overseas right now. When people ask me if I'm traveling overseas, my answer is no. And my, the reason that I'm not traveling overseas isn't necessarily I think the risk there is any higher than it is here. But um, I don't want to get stuck in a policy change or a quarantine in another country. And, you know, heaven forbid you get COVID in another country and they're going to put you in a hotel and lock, lock away the key. I, I just don't want to take that risk unless I really, really have to. I think in terms of the risk of bringing back the infection, look, you're going to have to get tested before you get back on a plane, assuming that's negative. I think what people can do is serially test with these antigen tests just to make sure that they're not incubating a, an infection. And that's typically what I do if I think that I've been in a setting where I could have been exposed. I'll serially test to make sure that I don't you know, turn positive. So I think that there are ways to protect yourself coming back into the U.S. and reintroducing yourself into your family. I think the big concern would be getting caught in a policy change or a quarantine if you happen to test negative. And, you know, you're going to be subject to another country's PCR machine. You can also get a false positive on those as well. (laughs) Way to boost our confidence. Um, Scott, thank you. It's always great to see you. And we appreciate you taking every and all question from us. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, Democrats continue to struggle to get their Build Back Better legislation passed. Former Representative Donna Edwards and former White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney on what the scene looks like right now in Congress. At the end of the day, something will pass and then the voters will decide. Do they really care more about pre-K or the earned income tax credit or they really care about the price of gas? I'm more concerned that Democrats just need to pass the doggone bill and uh, get out there and sell the components that the American people care about to the American people. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Becky. Let's get to Washington right now and the latest on the Build Back Better bill. Elon Moy joins us live from the nation's capital. Elon? Good morning, Becky. Well, Democrats are trying to wrap up work on their social spending package this week in hopes of delivering passage in the Senate by Christmas. President Biden's getting involved. He's planning to speak with Senator Joe Manchin in the next few days. Inflation likely to be on the agenda, as well as the CBO's projection that Build Back Better would add $3 trillion to the deficit if it were made permanent. To help combat that narrative, the White House sent out a messaging document over the weekend focused on the ways they say their plan would lower costs for child care, elder care, and for health care. The lawmakers are also still trying to figure out how to handle the cap on state and local tax deductions. Democrats have now released the legislative text of their tax plan, and it literally just says placeholder for compromise under that part of the bill. We know other changes are likely as well. Some senators are trying to revive those IRS bank reporting rules, for example. And both parties are slated to meet with the parliamentarian this week to argue over whether the package complies with the Senate's arcane rules. Getting all of this done by Christmas feels like a heavy lift. But guys, Democrats do seem determined to at least try. Back over to you. Elon, there are some complications. If this isn't passed, I think, by December 28th, then it, it, there's no way that the checks are going to get sent out to families in January, the continuation of some of those programs that the Democrats wanted to, to move forward with. But it, it kind of all comes down to Joe Manchin. And if he's not a hurry on the, in a hurry on this, and there was some speculation and some commentary over the weekend from Lindsey Graham, who said he had talked to him, that those higher inflation numbers that we saw last week are, are something that are making him feel like he does not need to move quickly on this. Yeah, Republicans are applying pressure on Manchin as well. It's not just the inflation numbers, but it's also that CBO score of the permanent Build Back Better. Uh, Lindsey Graham said that Joe Manchin was stunned when he saw that it would add $3 trillion to the debt. Though, of course, the biggest portion of that is the child tax credit, which both parties have supported in, in the past, making that bigger and lasting for longer. So, you know, we'll see if the president is successful in counter, uh, counteracting the Republican narrative over the past few days. Uh, but clearly, Joe Manchin is under a lot of pressure and does not feel the urgency to move at this moment. Elon, thank you. The debate continues over President Biden's Build Back Better bill and its potential impact on inflation in the economy. Join us now to discuss former Congresswoman Donna Edwards. She's also an NBC News uh, political analyst and former White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney. He's the founder of Exegist uh, Capital. Uh, Congresswoman, welcome. Uh, it's great to see you. That's a I love that backdrop. I love that shot. Uh, Merry Christmas. Beautiful tree. You too, uh, Mick. Um, 
Congresswoman, in, in the journal today, and, and it's not specific to the journal, but that, that uh, the CBO estimate that some Republicans requested showing what the actual cost would be if the, uh, if the programs were extended like they are, in all likelihood, that is going to happen. The Penn Wharton model at $4.6 trillion. Do you have any uh, regrets that maybe the Democratic Party or the Democrats in Congress didn't just sell it exactly for what it is? It, it just seems like they're trying to hide the actual cost. Well, I, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, we're making a big presumption that future Congresses are going to extend all of these uh, programs, and we don't know that uh, to be true. What we do know is that the ones that are factored in to build back better uh, some of them have shorter time frames, and it brings the uh, the cost to where it is. And so I'm not worried about that. I'm more concerned that Democrats just need to pass the doggone bill um, and uh, get out there and sell the components that the American people care about uh, to the American people. And so um, that's my major concern. It's not over time whether uh, some programs will or will not be extended. I was in Congress, and I know you cannot project from one Congress to the next what's going to happen. That's true, and and, and I know that uh, Senator Schumer uh, and, and other and uh, Speaker Pelosi both said that they would be they would offset that still, so that it they would say that it's not costing anything because there'd be tax increases. But now you're talking about definitely future tax increases every year if the programs are extended, and I can't see how they, they wouldn't be. Mick, I, I want to start with you with this Kevin Warsh piece, uh, who uh, basically saying that the, it's the Fed's fault that we have this inflation, but the reason the Fed is in a box is because Jay Powell is going to be really unable to raise rates because we keep adding to, to, uh, to our growing debt, and, and he's going to be in a box. We, the, the debt service would be so high at that point that uh, you're definitely going to see it impact the GDP. It, it all seems like a, a witch's brew of, of not great things if, if we keep spending at this rate. Well, it's a vicious cycle, right? Is it, when we were at $20 trillion worth of debt at the country and the interest rates were about 2%, even I can do the math on that, we had a $400 billion tax bill. When you go to $30 trillion, and to say the Fed wants to raise interest rates to say 6%, that's that's $1.8 trillion worth of interest only. So yeah, the Fed really is in a box, but they're mostly in a box, let's let's be honest, because Congress put them there. If the debt, if the national debt were zero, there'd be a lot more flexibility towards the Fed. Don't also discount, I don't think Kevin mentioned this, the fact that Fed is politicized now with, with both parties watching so closely, whether or not Jay Powell got renominated and will get reconfirmed. You've got folks like AOC saying that the she thinks that Biden should be focusing more on having the Fed work on racial justice. So the Fed is becoming politicized as well. But we're in the box because of the size of the debt. And this bill just adds to it. You're absolutely right. Let's say that the, the, the pre-K thing only lasts for six years and that another Congress wants to, wants to extend it. That means they'd have to raise taxes without giving anybody anything that's new. That never happens. So what happens is something goes in now for six years and then it automatically gets extended and then it's simply added to the debt. Don't lose track of the fact that the only reason many of these, these programs are so short and build back better is that originally they were longer and they cost more. So they need to shorten them just to satisfy Joe Manchin. So there's not sort of like an intent by the Democrats to do a short-term project. They want these things to be permanent. They just couldn't afford to pay for it. And Congresswoman, that, that, uh, that's what I thought of when you said, I, I don't have a problem with it. We just need to pass, or Democrats just need to pass a darn thing. Manchin is, is the stumbling block. And when he sees a print 
on inflation like we saw last week, the highest in 39 years. He's, I, I, you know, the difference between Virginia and West Virginia, I know they share a border, but they are different places. And, and he's got constituents there that, that notice things maybe more than, than some states that are, that are bluer. And I don't, you know, you need him. You, you can't just pass the damn thing if, if Joe Manchin doesn't got And he's, he's drawn certain lines in the sand that are in this bill that, that would have to come out and then it would have to go back to the House. So it just seems like a hard, uh, a, a hard thing to imagine before the end of this year. Well, I, look, I do think that um, there are things that West Virginians do care about. They care about uh, universal pre-K. I mean, if you look at uh, West Virginia in terms of where it stands on on education, universal pre-K would help tremendously. They care about uh, child tax care, tax credit and the child care um, uh, provisions. Um, these are things that actually help working people. Um, Medicaid expansion, uh, uh, lowering prescription drug uh, cost uh, prices. These are things that West Virginians and that Americans care about. And I do think that there is a way uh, to accommodate Joe Manchin's uh, concerns. Um, those are things that he's expressed an interest in and to move a, a package forward that's going to make a difference, not just today, but in the future. What do you Nick? What's the timeline for you and, and probability for you on, on, on how this, it's a, what is it, the 13th? I, I was shocked it was already the 13th. because right. don't, don't forget, uh, this is how the timeline works. It's already passed the House. If the Senate passes exactly like it is, then it can go to the president's desk whenever. That's not going to happen. It's going to change at some point in the Senate. So we'll have to then go back to the House. And I think Joe Manchin and others, it's not just Joe Manchin, there's plenty of folks, including the Democrat Party, are looking at this saying, OK, my folks back home might care about pre-K, but they really care about the cost of gas. They really care about the cost of turkey for Thanksgiving and ham for Thanksgiving. Um, they don't really care about money for salmon, which is in the bill. They don't really care about money for news networks, which is in the bill. And I think what you're hearing from Donna, and listen, we, we both do it, Republicans do it when they're trying to pass a piece of legislation, Democrats are doing it now, pass the damn thing quick so no one knows what's in it. That's what this is really all about. What can we do over Christmas so that no one has a chance to really digest it to figure out what they don't like in it? Look, at the end of the day, something will pass and then the voters will decide. Do they really care more about pre-K or, or the earned income tax credit or they really care about the price of gas? I don't think passing this or not passing this changes the fact that Democrat Republicans take control of the House and probably to control the Senate uh, in November of next year. Congresswoman, uh, I, I, I can I, I, you can either just respond or I, I can just I don't know. They, there are a lot of things that, that if you did wanted to, like I, I certainly could see, you know, what do we got? K through 12. I could see K through 13, N through 13, whatever you call the, the, the child care before K. I, I could see that. But just piling it all on. This is like 40 years of, of Democratic wish lists. In a 50-50 Senate and in a, in a House where Democrats lost seats in, you know, with with poll numbers that don't look great for for 2022, just seems like like a bridge too far to be to be trying all this right now. I don't think the American people necessarily are on board. Sure, they, they love free things. If you ask someone a question, hey, would you like this free stuff? They say yes. But they also think that maybe government is, is getting too big and overreaching and they don't necessarily want it to do that like like a Europe. Uh, an entitlement state. Well, it's not about free things. It's about um, you know passing legislation that's going to make a difference in people's lives when they go to work, when they send their children to school. Um, there are significant climate change provisions 
in Build Back Better. And as we, you know, you've done the reporting on the horrible uh, tornadoes in, um, in Kentucky, and um, these changes in the climate are really contributing to tornadoes in the middle of December. Um, so I do think the American people care about those things that are impacting the economy. And that is not to say uh, that they don't care about the cost of, of, of food and clothing and all of their consumer goods. We know the pressures of inflation, but I also believe that those pressures are being created because we haven't you know, quite uh, moved beyond COVID. And so getting people vaccinated, getting people um, back into the uh, into the economy. There's strong job job growth. There's every indicator that the American people will do just fine. They'll contribute by working and paying taxes. And we need to make sure that they have the tools they need to participate in this economy. Mick, uh, November's a long way off. Actually, it's not. Seems like it. No, it's not. But in political terms, it is. In terms of uh, our country and how quickly we can. I mean, it's only. It's, when was inauguration? That was like, it's not even a year. God almighty. Uh, and look where we are. So by a year from now. Really quick, Joe, I think it's what we're talking about. <laughs> well, we could, the pendulum could go all the way back. What, what do you think the prospects for, uh, for 2022 are in terms of the House and Senate? Oh, I think they're pretty good. The conventional wisdom is they should be good anyway, right? Any president into his first term usually loses seats in the House. Um, but that combined with a bunch of other dynamics, I think everybody pretty much knows or assumes, knows, you never know anything at this point, assumes that Republicans are going to take the House. That's why you're seeing so many retirements from so many high-ranking Democrats. There's nothing worse in the House from going from being a chairman to a ranking member, especially after you've been there 20, 30 years, chairman of very powerful, they have huge staffs and ranking members, which is the highest ranking member in the minority party, don't. So it's a miserable sort of demotion. That's why I seeing, I think, 19 or 20 uh, retirements. We saw the same thing, by the way, in 2018. So it, it's, it's, it's the ordinary cycle of things. But your point is a really good one, which is, do we really, should we really be having this type of, of massive progressive programs uh, debated in a, in a Senate that's 50-50. You can't stop it from happening. Um, but when the de Republicans have a narrow majority uh, coming up in 2022, what will they be coming up with? Both parties are moving further out to the fringes. The Republicans are moving further right. The Democrats are moving further left. Um, it's becoming more and more difficult to strike any sort of compromise in Washington, D.C. I don't see that changing in November 2022, even though I do think the Republicans take the House and the Senate. Okay. Uh Want, to, want the last word, Congresswoman? Well, look, I think it's going to be a tough year coming up in uh, 22, and no, everybody acknowledges that. And the best thing that Democrats can do is continue to govern, uh, continue to make sure that they're doing things to the American people and communicate that uh, to them and, um, you know, mitigate whatever harm might be projected to happen in 22. Anyway, look, we're going to go through our holiday season and then it's going to be full on uh, campaign season from January forward. Happy um, ho ho holidays. Merry Christmas. I know I'm celebrating, so I hope the American people will, too. And then we'll get started in 22. Thanks, Donna. Merry Christmas to you as well. It's good to see you again. Someone surprise you with some new art. Donna, I mean, is that, uh, do you know what's in that package uh, on the wall? You know what? I wrap my art in wrapping paper because it makes me feel more festive. That is festive as heck. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to say this. It, it looks like one when I get it done. It, you know, whenever I buy something, I get it done at the department store. Like I wait for like an hour because I don't know how to do it. And that's what that's better. That looks better than the ones I get at like a Bloomies or, or something no, like that. No, you still go to the department well, store? thank you. 
How old are you? Still going to department stores? No one does that anymore. I do not. I'm not a big online shopper. How do you get the credit card in the? I, you know, I, I just don't know how to. Do you put it where the, where the disk drive is? How does that? I don't Never even know how worked. that. I don't even know how that works. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm a luddite. Thank you both. Appreciate it. Merry and uh, happy holidays. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And Mick Mulvaney is doing my job for me, Joe. I mean, it's really quite extraordinary. That's the show for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right to your ears, listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.